I've been conscious in the last week or so of the number of people who have had or who are having difficulties in life. And because also we've been thinking about this young man who has been so ill, and now his mother is seriously ill. I remember we had a friend in Northern Ireland, and she was involved a little bit in strange goings-on in the house, occultic things. But her husband died and left her with two small children. Very quickly he, he, he died. And he left, she, she was left with two children. And it was a company house, so she had to get out of the house. And he left her not too well off. And she moved into a little cottage. And she was there a while. And then she was going into the town and she, it had been very heavy frosts and snow, which we used to get at time to time. And she came around a corner and there was a, a pile of snow and she veered off that and there was a lorry coming the opposite direction. And she had a horrific crash. All her chest was pushed in and things. So bad that she, they didn't bother doing anything with her legs because they were so anxious to keep her alive. She eventually had to go back in and have her legs all rebroken. And her, her niece came down to look after her and she was with her for a few, for a month or so I suppose, and she was killed in a car crash. All these things happened this this woman and we'd say, ah oh, well she was involved probably in strange things, she was a little bit involved in the occult, maybe that's the reason. But then we come to somebody like this, whose, whose child had this serious injury. And then her, his mother, becomes seriously ill. And what's the, what's the reason? Even their own member here, who's away this morning, she's had so much in her life. She's had this massive mastectomy. She's a daughter drowned a few years ago. But I've been conscious this week of those type of things that have been happening. In John 16, John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said these words. These things have I spoken unto you, that, ye, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. In the world you shall have tribulation. John 16, 33. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world you're going to have tribulation. Jesus said it. Matthew 5. Go back a few books. Matthew 5 and we read from 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to shine and to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. That's an interesting verse. Jesus said, he makes the sun to shine on the just and on the unjust and the rain to fall on the, the, the good and the evil. 
You know, I've told the story before, but the, the pastor was visiting this old fellow in a cottage. And he said, how are you getting on, Jim? Oh, he said, I'm getting on fine. He says, God's been very good to me. He says, I count my blessings every day. And he says, well, let's hear what your blessings are. Well, he said, the, the sun is summer now, and he says, the sun is nice and warm. My rheumatism isn't as bad as it was. That's great, he says. I can go out for a walk. And he said, I planted those potatoes in the little haggard there. And he says, they're coming up nicely, and I'm really pleased. And he says, the cow calved. And it, it, it was a healthy calf. And everything's going well, he says. God has blessed me. And the, the, the pastor said, you know, I was passing that chap down the road, old Tom, he says, he's a drunkard and he's never sober. And I noticed his potatoes were coming up, just like yours. And he says, he, he was out for a walk and he seemed to be walking very well. And his, there's a calf running around in his, his little field, he says, it's just, just like yours. He says, what you're talking about are the mercies of God. The, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And the problems we have also fall on the just and on the unjust. We have tribulation in the world, Jesus said. Just because we are Christians, it doesn't say we are immune from problems. He went on, of course, to say that the blessings which uh, we count, we, we used to sing that course, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Really, we're talking about the mercies of God there. The blessings of God are those which Christians have. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, then it says in Ephesians we have a, an inheritance prepared for us. We're adopted into the family of God. We receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are the blessings of God. But the mercies of God fall on everybody. On the, on the just and on the unjust. What does it say? Read it again. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Just because we are Christians, it doesn't necessarily mean we won't have problems. And we've only to look around and see that that is a fact. Go have a look. There's a good interesting verse in Acts chapter 9. We know the story of Saul as he was coming out of Jerusalem and he was going to Damascus and he was going to persecute the church in Acts 9 and he, he the, 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 the Lord met him in a most peculiar way and, and there was a, he was fell down off his horse and he, he realized that he was face to face with God and he says Lord what will you have me to do and they led him and they brought him to a, a street called Straight in Damascus and he was blind and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias now this man Saul was going to come and persecute the church and persecute people like Ananias he was going to throw some in prison and some would be killed and God said to Ananias I want you to go here's what he said Ananias and he said, Behold, I am here. The Lord said, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. 
and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias said, are you sure you've got the right man? You know, uh, this man is coming to annihilate us. He's coming here to persecute us. And I said, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name unto the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So he was to go along and he was going to heal this man of his blindness and then he was saying, you're going to follow the Lord Jesus from now on but you're going to have a rough time. You're going to have to suffer. Not an ideal way to get converts you wouldn't have thought. It wouldn't be in most of the Alpha courses and things to tell people that they were going to, to suffer. But that's what he did. And if you go on, uh, I'm skipping a little bit, go on to 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. And see if this was in fact fulfilled. Here's what Paul says later on, because he changed his name to Paul, as you know. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils in waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. It, it was right, wasn't it? He was going to suffer. But what did Paul say at the very end? I finished the course, I've run, I've run the race, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He'd run the course. He didn't back down when things got rough. In fact, if you go on to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the, the next chapter, he goes on to tell us how he survived, really. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. He said he had this thorn in the flesh, which, which was the buffeting of Satan, causing him all this trouble. And he asked God to remove it. I besought the Lord, he says, to, to remove this from me. But the Lord says, you have to put up with it. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And the fact that you have to put up with this, he says, you will depend more and more upon me day by day. Nobody wants to suffer. You know, there is this kind of theology around that we, we, we you have to praise God if things are a disaster. But that's not right. 
We have the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was facing the cross and he was going to suffer. And what did he pray? He prayed, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, whatever is your will, I'll accept it. When we have suffering and we have problems, that's the attitude we should have, that we accept it if it's going to produce something to God's glory and to his praise. Luke 22 and verse 42, we have those words. Father, if thou wilt be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the attitude we should have when we're going through this uh, suffering. The psalmist in Psalm 84 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Blessed is the man. If we face these problems in the strength of God and not in our own strength, then the Bible says, Blessed is that man whose strength is in God. There's a story in John chapter 11, and it's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We all know the story so well. Lazarus was sick, and, and Jesus used to go out to their house where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived, and he, he treated it apparently as a kind of base. He was always welcome there. Lazarus was sick and they sent a message to Jesus to say that he was sick and we know that he he stayed a bit longer where he was as if he didn't care and then he eventually arrived at the place where Lazarus was in Bethany and they the, the sisters met him and said Lord if you'd been here my brother had not died you know why didn't you come when we called you why did why weren't you there when we wanted you. We all know that feeling, don't we? But Jesus had said a strange thing in verse 4. He says, this, the reason that Lazarus is sick is for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified. That was the reason Lazarus was sick, so that God would be glorified and the Son of God would be glorified. That was why Lazarus was sick in this particular case. God was going to show his glory and his power to so many people as a result of this sickness. We all know that he said, show me where the, the body is, and the body had been dead four days. And Martha and Mary said, by this time he stinks. And just a matter of interest, I, you know, I half on this sometimes. It was dead four days. And, and the Jews, after four days, didn't require evidence of death because the, 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 the putrefaction had set in and four days, up to three days, the Jews had the superstition that the spirit could re return to the body. They had this uh, superstition that the spirit hovered around for three days and there was a possibility that it could go back into the body again. And, but then it says he was dead four days and that was one of the reasons because Jesus was proving the fact that Lazarus was in fact dead.
And that's why it's so important, the three days and three nights of the resurrection and de the death and burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, not that Jesus was in the grave a day and a half, as we say, from Good Friday to Sunday. He had to be in the grave for three days and three nights, and that was one of the reasons, because and they, they set the watch for three days. That was when the watch was set. So that they, because they had this superstition that the body, the, the spirit could come back to the body again, and that, that's just by the way. But the, the reason why Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was that the Son of God might be glorified. The problem seemed a major problem, but the real problem, the real uh, result of that was that God would be glorified and Jesus would be exalted. We have the same type of thing in, uh, go back a couple of chapters to the blind man. You know, the, the blind man, Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither, Jesus said, hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That was the reason. It seemed a disaster to the parents when the little baby was born blind, but eventually God was glorified, and the power of the Lord Jesus was shown in that man, eventually. Go on to John 17. Jesus was facing the cross, and he, 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 he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed, incidentally, in John 17, which is the real, Lord, the real Lord's Prayer, he, he prayed and he was just about to go to Calvary. And it says here, Father, the hour has come. Yes, I'm going to die. I'm going to have to die for the sins of the world. Why? He says, what? Glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee. That was the reason, so that God could be glorified and God, Jesus Christ could be uplifted. Problems come and will come, and we'll all have difficulties. But remember that in those difficulties, God can be glorified. Let's look at Psalm 7, uh, Job 21, Job 21. The problems of Job. And he had these comforters. We still talk about Job's comforters, don't you? People who really don't comfort you at all. Now these comforters of Job, they pointed out all the problems and all the alleged problems that Job had. And they said that the reason why Job had had all his problems, I mean all his family being wiped out and his crops being uh, him full of boils and all the rest of it, they said, something. you must have sinned. You must have sinned. That's the reason. And Job describes his answer here. Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech, and let this be your consolation. Suffer that I may speak. And after that I have spoken, then you can carry on mocking me. As for me, is my complaint to man? If it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me and be astonished, and lay your hand upon my mouth. Make me shut up if, if that's the case, he says. Even when I remember I am afraid and trembling, taketh hold of my flesh. Wherefore do the wicked live? Ah, he says, how is it a lot of people seem to get off scot-free? 
Wherever do the wicked live? Become old, yea, are mighty in power. Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. They never seem to have any problems. Their bull gendereth, they have plenty of uh, livestock, and faileth not. Their cow calveth, and casteth not her calf, no abortions. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp, and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth, and in the moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Job saw the problem that the wicked seem to prosper. Now turn to Psalm 73. The psalmist here, which may have been David, but it's Asaph it says, but it may have been David. And here's what the psalmist said. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It's an, it's an easy thing to slip into, you know. How do these fellows get on so well? For there are no bands in their death, and their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. <laughs> it's a good description, isn't it? They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. He says, What's the point? I, I've cleansed myself before God. I've washed my hands. What good has done me? Look at these other fellows. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I would speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He said, How? I just can't understand it. But then he, he said, until until I went into the sanctuary of God and then understood I their end. That's the difference. Life is only like a vapor. What happens after we leave this life is the important thing. And when, when he went into God's sanctuary, God revealed and showed him the latter end of these people, how things were eventually going. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, places that casts them down into destruction. We must view everything from God's perspective and not from man's perspective. We, we have to get the overall picture of our lives and the overall picture from God's perspective 
and not from our little perspective of things. And here's the final thing that the psalmist brings out in 23 to 28. The psalmist's final analysis. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. He said, I, oh, so foolish was I and ignorant. I, why did I think this way? That's what he's saying. Why did I really think this way? When I really see what's going to happen to these people, why did I think? Why was I envious of them? Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. That's what he says. That's the, that's the whole point, isn't it? He said, if I trust in you completely, you will receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. We're singing that, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they are, that are far from thee shall perish, but thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I might declare all thy works. People like this woman here who's so ill. It is good for me to draw near to God. Because you're looking at it from the overall perspective of life. And if we put our faith and trust in the living God, if we come to him in repentance and faith and put our faith solely and completely in him, then we would see things from his point of view. You know, it's like looking at Foy from an aeroplane. Somebody's up in an aeroplane recently. Yeah. Uh, looking at Foy from an aeroplane, we see the, the whole picture. Whereas if we're walking down the street, we only see little bits at a time. God is looking at things from an overall perspective. And we want to try and see things as he sees it. We have that story, you know, that Jesus went to the blind man and he touched his eyes. <coughs> and the man saw men like trees walking, he said. Didn't see men as real people. And then he touched his eyes again and he, he saw everything. Clearly, he saw the people the same way as Jesus saw them. And that's what we want to be able to see things in our lives the same way as Jesus sees them. To get the right perspective on life. Not to have a narrow perspective, just looking at, as David or the psalmist here was looking at these people and saw them in their, in their most expensive clothes and everything going well for them. That's, he said, that's only until he went into the house of God, until I went into the sanctuary of God and I realized what, what life was really all about. Not just a narrow perspective. We have to look on things on the overall perspective. And that's encouraging. And that's encouraging, I hope, for, for people who, who have had problems. We're inclined to, you see, the, 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 just, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust, and on the good and the evil. We will have problems. You know, we wonder why we have problems. Jesus told us we'd have problems. Paul was told when he was converted he was going to have problems, and he did have problems. And we won't have the same problems that he's had. 
he, he went through terrible te uh, problems for standing up for the faith. But in those problems, he said, God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. In him there is power and might. The Savior can solve every problem. The tangles of life can undo. There's nothing too hard for Jesus. There's nothing that he cannot do.